and welcome to Hitting Play, the podcast where we review, analyze, and discuss shows, movies, and other curiosities. I am Scott, and joining me from the movie riffing group One Wall Cinema is K1, aka Kevin. Welcome back. Thanks, glad to be here. And also joining us from the great city of Melbourne, Australia, is Hamish. Hey, how you going? Doing very well. And last but not least, joining us is a very special guest. He is a multiple Emmy Award winning executive producer of the greatest television show of all time, The Simpsons. Matt Selman, welcome to the show. Hey guys, thank you for having me. This is an honor. Oh, thank you. This is very exciting. Especially for Kevin and I, since we're experiencing one of those uh, Boston winters everyone raves about. <laughs> yeah. Oh, wow. Good. You already callbacks are roaring in. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. That's pretty good. I've forgotten everything in the, in the Boston episode already. I, I've done with it. Oh, there's so much. There is. Well, you guys, I, again, I have to, if, if my presence on your podcast can be considered a reward, I had to reward you guys for the incredibly detailed analysis you did on the, the episode The Town, which is our Simpsons Go to Boston episode, with, which aired, I guess, back in October, mm-hmm. amazingly, on the day that Tom Brady was reinstated, and they defeated, I forget, somebody oh boy, on that yeah. day, week five. <laughs> everybody. He defeats everybody. <laughs> he defeats everybody. And it was just like, it was, it was really fun to listen to you guys. I think you caught everything, and even a few things that we didn't mean to be there. So it was really cool. And I, it was, it was, we really, you know, the intent of the, this episode was to be a meta episode about Boston self perceived exceptionalism by doing an episode that only people in Boston would like. <laughs> so if the knock on people of Boston is they think that Boston is the only place in the world and that Boston is the greatest place and that all other places suck do an episode that only appeals to those people and <laughs> everyone else in the world would hate it. I hopefully mission accomplished. <laughs> if that makes any sense. Hey, no, Mitch, no. Does that make sense? Oh, this is all makes sense. I just feel like, you know, all that love and attention you put into that one episode. And then I look at the Australian episode. I'm like, Oh, here we go again. God, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not complaining. I do sound like I'm complaining because it's a tone that sounds like I'm complaining, but the thing about it is that you guys, like, I can feel like, you know, you spent so much time, there's so much just deep history in there, and for you, you know, Boston natives, all this information you've jammed in there, and yeah, to us uh, in Australia, yeah, we'd have to actually go off and do some research and, you know, figure out all these mysteries and bits and pieces, because, like, to you, it just seems natural, but to us, it's like, I don't know, the Da Vinci Code? <laughs> there's certain <laughs> certain things that seem to be grabbing your attention, and you seem to be hyped about, but we're not sure what it is. Well, I, I enjoy the Australia episode, but as a non-Australian, I can't enjoy it or hate it in the same way you do. But obviously, <laughs> yeah, the people who wrote it were not, did not grow up in Australia, so they did not, were not able to apply that same love from within that I feel like the Boston episode we tried to imbue. Face it, Dad. Boston is the Bart Simpson of cities. All those awesome Southies in The Departed, those are my people. People? The dog and the baby are your people. You're I mean, from Watertown, Matt, right? I'm from Watertown, that's right. Watertown, born and bred. Actually, I was, nice. born in, well, I was born in Boston, first two years in Cambridge, then Watertown all the rest of the way, except for high school. Well, I mean, I lived in Watertown, but high school in Chestnut Hill, Beaver Country Day School. Go, go Beaver. <laughs> <laughs> Beaver Bulldogs? We briefly called the Bulldogs. It's a great school, but they've been struggling with the their animal mascot for as many years as the school has been in business. 
<laughs> now the uh, the credited writer for the show was was Dave King, and and he's a uh, a local too, I believe, right? Yes, he's from Needham. Needham, okay. Well, he doesn't. He's not a staff writer on The Simpsons, but he we need we needed another we need another local to to like really nail it. We, yeah, we yeah. went to him. Even after the show was in production, I would constantly be texting him like, "What's a funny Boston version of stained glass window? What's graffiti in the Logan Tunnel? What's the you know just <laughs> constantly what he was it was never ending for him like when for just for more background jokes and more references you know like what are the kiosks at Faneuil Hall like he would constantly be getting texts of from me of like peppering him for more more inside stuff. That's great. Now, were there any specific references that you were able to to get in the show? Well, looking back on it with some distance, I think like I could have been a lot more indulgent if that's possible. <laughs> I know I know people don't feel that way that it was actually very indulgent, but like I didn't put any Watertown references in. I didn't put any like my high school references or references to my friends' names or any of that stuff. Mm-hmm. But I do think it it generally the the frame of references are from that of a guy who was grew up in that area in the 70s and 80s you know like there isn't a lot there's no kevin garnett <laughs> or paul pierce or even, even big poppy isn't in the episode amazingly like it was more a lot more like larry bird you know that well pedro i guess was after my time but you know the wbcn leechmere like things that people who are like like under 20 probably have no idea in the boston area have no idea what they are yeah i didn't put the million year picnic in which i wanted to do that's the that's at the comic book store at Harvard Square. That's just been there forever. Wonderful little comic book store, the Million Year Picnic. I should have put that in. I didn't. Ever I'm not familiar. Are you, Kevin? Yeah, I'm not. I'm not either. You're out. No, Kevin. You're out in Brockton. Yeah. It's almost impossible to say Brockton in a non-Boston accent. You can't <laughs> Pretty much. Not say Brockton. You can't. You can't because I have no accent, right? Yet it goes Brockton. You just can't fight it. Right. Brockton. <laughs> Brockton. <laughs> Right? It sounds weird. Yep. <laughs> One of our closest pals who's like, runs FXX and FX, his name is Chuck Saffler, and he's from Brockton, and we bet for him we put the Brockton's beer in the show. Yes. That's cool. Oh, yeah. Brock, Brockton's best? That was yep. pretty intelligent. Brockton's best. He was at the Super Bowl this year. He was, oh, he was wow. Both. He was at, I was with him in 2015, and then he was also, he was just there too. That's so great. I was not at the most recent one, four heart attacks. So oh, my goodness. Just as well, well. We should we should talk a little bit about that. I mean, so I got to ask you the question that everyone here was asking each other on Monday. Did, did you watch the whole game? Yes, although I did drive from one party to another during the beginning of the third quarter. Okay. But then magically, as soon as I arrived at the second party, which was high school buddies from Beaver Country Day School, that was when the miraculous turnaround happened. So I had a miserable game with regular people who didn't understand how important it was for the Patriots <laughs> to win. And then I had a wonderful, pure, you know, probability defying experience with the kind of, with the old school high school pals. <laughs> That's uh, great. And of course, it sounds, that, like ma- yeah. it sounds like a magical time. <laughs> I mean, you guys, w- w- was it crazy? Could you hear people screaming in the streets? What was it like being there? I mean, just even on Cape Cod, where we're a little isolated, a little far removed. I mean, I was hearing fireworks. People were setting off fireworks in their, their backyards. Oh, yeah. Where same. in Cape Cod do you live? Like, what city? I'm in Barnstable. Barnstable. Love it. I love Barnstable. Fantastic. Yeah, it was the same thing uh, in Brockton. You know, you could hear people, you know, yelling and shooting off fireworks and what hopefully were fireworks. <laughs> <laughs> right. Hamish? Yeah, yeah. We got to watch it down here in Australia. Different atmosphere because... 
obviously it's it's not uh, our, our nation's game. I basically was watching it on a day off alone in the house. <laughs> that was it. Because <laughs> they're, they're, they're showing it here on um on Channel 7 in Australia. Uh, unfortunately, we didn't get any of your uh, you know major Super Bowl ads. But uh, yeah, they're still playing it down here. I got to about the, the end half of it, you know, but the third quarter. And yeah, I was look, just looking at the score going, this is this is not great. This is this is not the game. Until, you know, near to the end, and then everything changed. And I was like, what? Like, I don't know the dynamic of the team and you know, what what inside them told them to actually... I don't know. I, it's, I, it, I'm flabbergasted. That's what I am. We are too. Yep. And what was it like walking around in the city the next day? Was everyone just like in an amazing mood or hugging each other? Because you're in Barnstable, there isn't really a city. No, Brockton. But... <laughs> Brockton must have been elated, right? Uh, I'm trying to think. Well, the next day I was actually walking around uh, up in Winthrop uh, for work, and you know, it, work outside, and you know, end up going to a lot of different houses, and pretty much everybody was just like, you know, you know, I ring on, ring the doorbell, they open the door, I kind of say, hey, you know, my little spiel as to why I'm there, and then they're like. What a, that game, that game, you know, like they, they couldn't even <laughs> form sentences. It was just, could you believe that? That was crazy. Yeah. The, for me, there was a lot of random high-fiving at work the next morning for sure. Right. We were having an argument or a debate, which is a more significant comeback, this or the, the great world series 2004. Oh boy. And, you know, they've been talking about that on, on uh, sports radio right, all week I too. Sure they have. Well, I mean, I would weigh in that the 2004 comeback was much more significant, but I still think that this, if they replayed both of those series a hundred times, this one would be more in, improbable. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So the, yeah. Destroying the Yankees, an ultimate comeback to then to win the World Series and, and the drought, that is a much more important moment in Boston sports. But if you replayed this, the second half of that Super Bowl a thousand times, that might win like 13 times. You know what I mean? Yeah. It just was it, so improbable. Everything had to go right from a certain point. It's fourth and long. The Americans last chance for a miracle. The QB handsomely takes the snap. Sexily steps back to pass. And with God-given good looks, fires it downfield. But there's no one there to receive it. But the ball is caught by the Americans' mascot, Flappy the Flag. Flappy running unopposed into the end zone for a surely illegal touchdown. It, just before uh, we recorded, or you know, just before we all got on, I saw this stat. I got to read this. This is from uh, Pro Football Talk. It says, according to the Elias Sports Bureau, prior to Super Bowl 51, teams leading by 25 or more points at any time in any NFL game were 2,545, four and two in the regular season, and 102 and two in the postseason. Wow. So, so improbable. It's very improbable. Well, it lends credence to my, our theory that. We're all living in a horrible simulation right now. <laughs> so as much as we enjoyed the win, it's, and maybe it's good that we're living in a simulation too. That's a great explanation for things. But yeah, just the, the improbability matrix is off the chart these days. Did you hear about the uh, Shields MRI commercials that aired here locally? Shields MRI? No, what are those? They're kind of like, um, like franchised MRI clinics, I guess. Right. Um, and they're big. Nice to be in. Their big thing is like uh, they're the official MRI place of the New England Patriots. Oh, really? But, but uh, Brady, during the Super Bowl, towards the beginning, I think they had this commercial where Brady was going to go in for an MRI, and then the the, uh, the lady comes up to him and asks if he has anything he needs to put away in the locker, anything made of metal, and so he takes off his four Super Bowl rings, 
and that's the commercial. So after the Super Bowl, was that a local ad that played during the Super Bowl? Yes. Right. So I wouldn't have seen that. Right. And so uh, after the Patriots won, they re-air the commercial. So you're seeing the same thing again. But this time she says, uh, is there anything else? And he said, uh, oh, yeah, I forgot. I got this one. It's kind of new. And he takes out a fifth ring out of his pocket. Oh, nice. That, That seems like that is like bad karma. Right, I know. that's a super jinx. That's a jinx. Filming that alternate ending is like a giant jinx waiting to happen. I yep. know, right? Yeah, is that the take? Is that the hot take? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> it, everyone was very surprised. It was very uh, unbrady like. Yeah, very cocky. Yeah, right. Presumptuous. Yep. Well, yes. it gets wow. it gets better though because the next line in okay. the, in, in the uh, commercial, the, the way he says, "Oh, I, we're gonna have to get you a, a bigger locker." And Brady just kind of winks at the camera and says, Roger that. <laughs> oh, yeah. my God. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It's unreal. Wait, is this, this is online. I can see this. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's been on Twitter. People have tweeted out. I'll have to try to find it. <laughs> oh, my goodness. It sounds like a cartoon that's, character. He's not the greatest of all time commercial actor. That's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> like, because he was in an ad for this. He was in a big ad during the Super Bowl, too. That involved him going to the bathroom, I think. It, it wasn't a great ad. Like, he's not relaxed on camera. I, I will say this. I hate to say this. Peyton Manning is a better commercial actor than Tom Brady. Like, in those stupid <laughs> nationwide ads. Like, it's true. Tom's yeah. true. Peyton Manning, who I have no love for, is pretty good in those ads. I'm just seeming like a regular dude. Where Tom is clearly an alien super football robot who is not like a regular dude in those ads. I like to see the other ads he gets to do after this. Like, he starts selling, I know, doorbells. He's standing at the door, hits it like five times, and they go, Tom, we know you're here. It's like, sorry, I can't help but ringing five times. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> he has to say Roger that in every ad, though, that's for sure. He was so classy about the Goodell thing, and then to put it in, like, a local ad, I know. right? To then, like, it's weird. The story behind that is that I guess he filmed it during his suspension when he had some free time, and uh, Bobby Farrelly... Uh, directed it. Oh, so the Farrelly's, so they yeah. won him over. I know Peter a okay. little bit. They're really fun guys. And I actually pitched this episode to Peter in its infancy at a party because oh, really? I was like, so I was like, we're doing this Boston show. If I screw it up, I'm never going to forgive myself. Like, what do you, you know, here's this, here's the plot. <laughs> he, he was on board. He signed off. Although he could have just been being polite. Well, okay. So I guess, the, yeah, the Farrelly, he said he trusted the Farrelly's to take care of him. That's probably why he did it. Oh, yeah, there's a lot of trust there, because otherwise, if that ever leaked, you know, if they lost and that leaked, forget it. Yeah. Oh, my God, that would have been. And if he filmed it, like, in the beginning of the season, not knowing they were in the Super Bowl, it's a little less jinxy, right? Mm -hmm. It's a little less. It's still, you know, like, sometimes, like, a movie will end that they're so confident there's going to be a sequel. It kind of has a little cliffhanger and a little question mark at the end, a little tag about the villain coming back and... The movie's yeah. terrible, and it's a bomb, and it just makes you feel even worse about the movie that they don't <laughs> that they thought a sequel was on the way. Yeah, it's like that, right? Remo, hey. Remo Williams, the adventure begins. Right, <laughs> or the Mario movie, Brothers. the Golden Compass, the Golden <laughs> Compass movie. Ugh. I don't know if you read that book, but not great. But ended literally with a cliffhanger. It didn't even end. <laughs> oh man, I didn't see it. <laughs> um. Wow. Oh, Bray. Well, that's interesting. I'll have to, definitely have to check that out. Yeah, anybody listening, find that, definitely. It's worth watching. No, Tom Brady actually did a voice on The Simpsons a few years back. Was there any thought of trying to get him to uh, do the voice of Handsome Quarterback in the town episode? 
No, from the get go, I didn't want to say it was the Patriots. I just want I didn't want to get have to go through the NFL. I didn't want to get, have to get permission. I didn't want to get any notes. You know, I just wanted to do the story the way we wanted to do it. Mm-hmm. So by doing a fictionalized version of the team, you avoid all that. Is the NFL kind of a sensitive thing because it's Fox, or is that just is that not an issue? Yeah, the, I would tread very lightly with the NFL. Like, we really can't show logos or mention specific teams, that kind of stuff. Like, mm-hmm. you know, South Park did a really funny CTE episode where they showed caricatures of every owner and literally the symbol of, of every team, the, the logo for every team in their episode. And they're just fearless about it, but also, you know, Paramount doesn't air NFL games or have a sports network. Right, right. I mean, Paramount, Viacom, whatever. The, the corporate octopus that owns South Park is not in bed with the NFL the way Fox is. So if you're going to try to do a football, real football player or use a real logo, it's got to go through a million approvals and it's, it's a whole nightmare. And I just wanted to just goof on the team in a loving way as yeah. hard as we could. But, I, you know, it's funny. I don't even remember when he was on the show. I don't remember. I worked here then. But I just wasn't paying attention as much to football, I don't think. But we had young Brady, younger Brady on the show. You may have seen already online. Um, we did alter the sun, this Sunday. Was it this Sunday? I don't know. When are we dropping? When is this episode dropping? I'm going to try to get this out before it, it re-airs. So, yeah, the town episode is going to re-air uh, Sunday at 7.30? Right. So we put a little Easter egg, a little Super Bowl Easter egg in the change the show a little bit, one time only, <laughs> this Sunday at 7.30, Eastern Pacific Time. The little Super Bowl smug Easter egg. Super smug. Not as bad <laughs> as the MRI commercial, but uh, pretty smug. That's great. But a little braggy. But that, isn't, that the, isn't that the spirit of the show? <laughs> the oh, yeah. Wait, wait. Wait, wait. That, that makes... Um, it'll be interesting. So, if you, this goes on um, DVD, which version gets put on the DVD? Our intent is that the DVD and the streaming and the iTunes version will all be the original version. Yeah. Like, this is the only time it will be different. Ah, so people better start recording it. They better record and leave it on their DVRs for their whole lives. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no kidding. (laughs) Well, I should mention, too, if you're listening to this episode sometime in the future, not not the week that it drops, uh, definitely get the uh, FX app uh, on your uh, Roku or Apple TV or your tablets or your phone, wherever. That Simpsons world or every Simpsons ever is just so amazing. You can watch every episode ever. Yeah, it really works well. They worked really hard on it. Our, again, our buddy at FXX and really put together this beautiful thing, and it works really well on TVs. I mean, I don't have a Roku, but just if you have a smart TV, you know, mm-hmm. the FFX portal, which has Simpsons World on it, is really clean and beautiful, and just, there, there's all the episodes right there. I've never loved hating anything so much. Move your garbage car. i got to get to the packing before the beast drop puck. One thing I wanted to ask you, Matt, is uh, your very first episode that you wrote for The Simpsons, that was uh, Natural Born Kissers? Yes. Uh, That actually scandalized Australia, from what I heard. Oh, no. Hamish, I'm sorry. (laughs) What happened? (laughs) Oh, yeah. We have have so many problems down here in Australia. Yeah. We we can't handle all this newfangled stuff. I Um, heard that it's the the first episode to get the M15 rating. Yeah, I think it's because of the time slot. Because I think uh, here in Australia, we're showing Simpsons around about afternoonish maybe like 6 30 maybe seven o'clock uh time slot so i think back when the episode came out was still kind of you know iffy about that kind of stuff <laughs> i mean it is about homer and marge can only and truly enjoy sexual congress if it is 
sort of in some way dangerous, they might be caught in public places because they're, you know, right. I mean, that's that's the plot of it. That's pretty. That's an adult theme right there. Yeah. They're naked for you know right all of Act Three. Yeah, a lot of backsides <laughs> in that one. That was so long ago. <laughs> well, you've been with the show. Was it twenty years now, or is it coming yeah, up 20, twenty years? Yeah, twenty full years. That's amazing. It's crazy. It's, that's a, a testament to the to the show and your talent as well. It's great that such a great show is lasting so long. And you know, it, I mean, just this this season, I, I'm a big uh, Sharpling and Worcester fan the, uh, with the best show, mm-hmm. and Brian mm-hmm. Kelly's episode with uh, with them as uh, guest stars. I mean, this season has been so good. Well, there's a little more. I don't want to spoil anything, but there's a little a little more Tom Sharpling down the road. That's all. Ooh, very interesting. Good to know. Yeah, good to know. Yeah, I, we love them. Brian Kelly's a huge. Sharpling and Worcester fan. So I'm glad you appreciated that. That was a fun show. That hour long episode we just did really took a lot out of me. I don't know. Speaking of football, we we did an hour long hip hop kind of empire episode mm-hmm. that aired after the Cowboys Green Bay playoff game. Another fantastic game, right? Mm-hmm. And we were so we had the greatest. That was the we were so excited. We had the an amazing, almost as good as a Super Bowl level lead in this this almost overtime end of you know nail-biter field goal Green Bay victory, but then we kind of got screwed over because they moved the Chiefs-Steelers game to late. So we thought we would be unopposed. We'd just be like Green Bay Cowboys and then Simpsons hour-long episode and massive rating. But then it was Green Bay Cowboys and three minutes later, another awesome football game starts. (laughs) (laughs) And everyone just changed the channel. Although the rating was still very big, but that was the one time in my life of this show I've been greedy for ratings. I thought it was <laughs> so sweet that that lead in. We never we never done an hour long show before, and it was kind of more musical and more fun and more hip hoppy and African American than we usually do. So I thought that was cool. And yeah, still very proud of it, but we didn't kind of ruined by that. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Uh, also about the the town episode. Did did you get any feedback from any? Uh, businesses that were referenced did you hear from jordan's furniture or neko wafers or well, any of those companies well well the jordan's were you involved in that email the twitter thing i can't remember yes that, yes oh, that was you guys you did the research so you guys figured out that jordan's was had an inside hook an inside line on it yeah and that they purposefully knew that they had a reference and put in their old ad which i thought was fantastic i never i never contacted them never contacted neko Leechmere doesn't exist anymore. Right, right. <laughs> uh, I hope Robert Parrish was happy to, that he owns a parish. Right. He's, he's a, he's a, I actually sent a version of the show to Martellus Bennett, who I know a little bit, on who's our beloved new Patriots tight end. Yeah, yeah. And hero, one of our many Super Bowl heroes. And I never heard anything back from him either. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Maybe, I mean, I, I wanted the Patriots to see it and think it was funny or you know, to have a good laugh, a loving laugh at themselves. Uh, maybe they were too busy thinking about football is probably the case. You know, we had our kind of harsh take on Gronk. Of course, we love Gronk. Then Family <laughs> Guy did a whole Gronk episode. I mean, Family Guy's done like 20 Patriots episodes because a lot of their writers are New Englanders as well. And mm-hmm. they, they, like, they got actual Gronk. They got, they, Peter was actually on the Patriots. Actually, the town was originally titled Patriots Day. And then someone told, or no, Patriot Games, excuse me. Mm-hmm. It's called Patriot Games. It was then when someone said Family Guy already has a Patriots themed episode called that, we're like, well, let's not watch that episode of Family Guy first of all because it's too late, and <laughs> B, let's change our name to the town, another Boston movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
So let's see, anyone else here? Anyone? I think like one of the local congressmen or senators who had sponsored the self sun free self sunscreen around town was happy we mentioned that. <laughs> I know that Elizabeth Warren liked it. Beloved super senator Elizabeth Warren. Doris Kearns Goodwin enjoyed it. I heard she was in it, of course. Do you think Brock saw it? <laughs> the hackles on the head, I guess. If, you're all, if, if like a version of you is on The Simpsons, I know it's not 1995 anymore, but if a version of you is on The Simpsons and everyone in a town is talk, relatively speaking, is talking about it, wouldn't he see it? I, th- I think you want him to see it. I want it is an honor. I, I didn't want him to feel bad. I just wanted him to kind of laugh at himself good-naturedly. <laughs> he seems right. like he has a sense of humor. That guy. Definitely. Yeah, sure. He definitely yeah. seems like the, the type of guy. And I want them to show I want them to show that episode on the Gronk Cruise. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be great. You know about the cruises, right? Oh yeah. I don't think Hamish knows, but uh No, I I've read enough about Gronk to know that he's some sort of inhuman machine that can absorb alcohol. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like we kind of talked about when we were talking about the town episode. For some reason Gronk has just this amazing ability to separate work and play. You know, he's uh when you think of the Patriots, you don't think of like a party guy fitting in with the team, right? But he can compartmentalize that so well. Master of compartmentalization, Gronk. <laughs> yeah. That sounds like the name of his new book. <laughs> hey, Bonk, can we get a picture? Come on, Homer, put on the hat. I can support my hometown team without putting on a hat. Hats go on your head. Our take on him is very unkind, I guess, in that he's a caveman level moron that's really it's not it's not a nuanced take and we don't truly believe it we just thought to do the cartooniest version of him possible there's little digs at everything i mean flappy the flag you know as a as an eligible <laughs> receiver there, there's all kinds of little digs at the team in general anyway nothing came out after the super bowl where anyone was like accusing anyone of any new you know trickery mm-hmm. right where there was a clean super bowl right yeah yep other than that face mask, Logan Ryan face mask call that they missed. Well, you know. <laughs> but, uh, you know, that was a double face mask, really. You know? Exactly, yeah, they were upsetting. But also, but also, that last touchdown, you never really know if his knee was <laughs> no, Oh, I, please. It, no, no, it, was, it, was, it just didn't look. There was, when they showed it on TV, the linebacker's knee was blocking the other knee, so you couldn't quite see it. Yeah. Um, it, he broke the plane. He broke the plane. He broke I mean, the they plane. Wouldn't have, they would have not have ended the game. It's like, <laughs> NFL didn't want the Patriots to win. No, not at all. That's the other thing I was going to ask you too, Matt, is, uh, you know, in, in Simpsons episodes in the past, there's been the uh, the kind of commissioner of the Pro Football League, uh, what's his name, Bud Armstrong, who looks like Paul Tagliabue. Was there ever any thought of making like a Goodell figure to make fun of, or is that just another thing where you don't want to bother no, messing with him? No, we didn't want to stir the, what, stir the honeypot? What's the expression? I don't know. Stir the... <laughs> We didn't want to poke the nest of bees that is the NFL and sure. Goodell and Deflate Gate, and it was more fun for us to make up our own versions of the way that a fake version of Bill Belichick would have maximized every advantage, you know, as he would put it, <laughs> you know, like by fattening other teams' cheerleaders and using magnets to affect point toss, like <laughs> every little advantage that you can get, they would do that. Hey, maybe. Hey, maybe the Patriots used magnets to affect the coin toss for overtime. Oh, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't talk about that, right? That's true. That, that fits in nicely with the episode. Oh, I mean, man. I'm not saying that happened. I'm just saying <laughs> the technology. <laughs> MIT is a really good school, and if they could invent it, anybody could. To use, and they, would, they smartly would not use it 
for the coin toss at the beginning, so no one would suspect them, right? Yeah, yeah, good yeah. point. So the Falcons win in the beginning. Oh, this is all fair, but uh, <laughs> no, really. Do you think they use a magnet to affect the coin toss for the? No, no, I, I just like the creative, like the idea that someone actually is making this technology. Like someone has to make this technology, but then they can't say that it actually exists. Like we right. need you to go and make this technology to move a coin so it lands on the side we want it to land on. And then he's like, so am I going to get like credits for this? Oh, no, no, we can't talk about it. No, the greatest crimes ever committed were never detected. Mm. That's the mark of a great, of a great <laughs> crime is that no one ever knows a crime took place. <laughs> It's a state holiday because the league overturned the coach's suspension for using magnets to affect the coin toss. Pretty cool way to celebrate our new hometown, right, Dad? Now, if, if you're an Atlanta uh, sports radio station, if you're anybody representing one of them and you're listening to this, please understand that none of us have any inside information. Please do not form any conspiracy theories based on what you're hearing here. This is purely a well, uh, no, yeah. fancy. Well, yeah, I mean, people were, like, p- putting stuff on Twitter... That like the Simpsons predicted this with the parade and stuff kind of, kind of you guys tweeted and that kind of stuff. So yeah, yeah. The re- look, the rest of our lives is going to be plagued with nonsense conspiracy theories and quite a few true ones as well. And it's going to really, going to really make things muddled for quite some time. <laughs> so <laughs> w- w- why not just go with it? I, I love people were already photoshopping that that final screen of the final score of the game and putting uh, Patriots and and Falcons, you know, and saying that the the Simpsons predicted this, you know. Right. You know, maybe you're not exactly uh, writing The Simpsons. Maybe you're actually writing people's lives, and you've been changed mm-hmm. as a human being within a simulation to tell us that this is a simulation just to make things even more complex. Right, it's a really good simulation. <laughs> <laughs> like, just sort of call itself out in order to throw attention away from itself. Exactly, and that's what you're doing. You're a simulation within the simulation, and really stirring up this pot of insanity. Right. I, I believe you should be the guy who knows about simulations, because you created the uh, Simpsons game? The Simpsons game, I, yeah. I was like the head writer on the Simpsons yeah. game for like the platformer game, the big platform game that, we, that came mm. out in 2007, yeah. 10 years ago. <laughs> and that, I think the plot of that game is also pretty funny, actually. I'm pretty proud of that game. Some of the jumping around is muddled, but like... And the, game, the level design's a little wonky, but comedy-wise and idea-wise, it's a pretty crazy game. No, it is a good game. I, I have a copy myself. At, at least it was a lot easier than a Futurama game. Yeah, it's not that hard a game. <laughs> mm. At the end, you fight God as a level boss. I thought that was cool. <laughs> <laughs> and that Matt Groening attacks the Simpsons by throwing bags of money at them. I like that. <laughs> and that we had all these weird cameos. And it was sort of the, the plot of Wreck-It Ralph as well. Hmm, yeah. That's true. I mean, I'm not saying Wreck-It Ralph stole that, but I'm just saying we were there. We did it first. I mean, Wreck-It Ralph is a great movie, and it wasn't about supervillain support groups and all that, but the idea that like there's a world within video games where all the characters interact and 8-bit games kind of get phased out over time, thematically yeah. similar. I'm, just pr- mm. I'm proud to be anywhere close to just a great movie as Wreck-It Ralph. Uh, speaking of uh, movies, I-, I have to ask, too, are we ever going to get a sequel to the Simpsons movie? Well, there's never not talk about it. Yeah. But I'm not going to rule it out, but I'm not going to rule it in. You know, the first movie was a lot of work and turned out pretty awesome and did pretty well and everyone was pretty happy with it and felt like it represented the show well in movie form. Mm-hmm. So I think some people are nervous that if we did it again, it might not have that same goodwill going in, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, if we did it once, why push it? So it's really just based, do we have the idea that we think is worthy of a movie? What do you guys think? Would you want another one? I think, yeah. I'd I mean, it's it, been yeah. 10 years. 
Uh, I would. I'd have another movie, but I'd make it like the last Simpsons episode because if you have like right. a whole, you know, plethora of information you want to get out there, I'd put in a movie form to make that the final episode of the Simpsons because. That's the one thing I was thinking about the other day. It was like, how do you actually end a show like The Simpsons? You've done every story, every conceivable version of uh, The Simpsons themselves. It's like, how would you put the button on the entire series like to encapsulate that in um, like de- decade-long story of their life or whatever whatever you want to call it? But it's like the only way I could think is like, probably just doing um, like a final movie, and that's its send-off. That's it. I guess. I mean, I, w- I wouldn't... Well, I have no ideas, and certainly... I would just end it with just a regular episode, you know, mm. not, you, you do like a couple self-aware jokes along the way, but like to have a, you know, grandpa die or the dog go back to the Greyhound track or something, you know, <laughs> I just like the spirit of the show is that every week it's kind of a new reset. Like to me, at least like Groundhog Day, a little after mm. all this time and you begin the, the sh- every show and they're just kind of a regular family that is not really internalize the 600 insane things that have happened to them. Mm. Not to mention all the video games and movies and premium games and apps and <laughs> nonsense and breakfast cereals that have happened to them over the years. And they're not complete. They just try to keep it from a place of reality. And then by the end, things have gone insane again. And to try to like say, oh, things are changing now. Oh, it's Bart's 11th birthday. <laughs> you know, I mean, I don't know. Maybe they'll do that. Who knows? Well, actually, that's interesting because um, it seems to be like uh, smaller things would, I guess, count as a, a, a good story part. Because, yeah, you're having um, Bart's 11th birthday. Or if you have, like, Maggie start to walk, you know. Right. Finally gives up just shuffling around and starts to walk. Because, again, like, out of all the stories you've done, like, there are so many great future stories of, um, you know, the kids growing up. And that's, like, I think the only thing I can think of, which is, like, you, you keep it very simple, where either has... Bart has a birthday and Maggie learns to walk and, you know, starts growing up to actually become, you know, uh, a, a functioning human being almost. And that's it. Like, I think that's the only way you could probably, you know, focus on it. Focus on the small stuff. Are you fishing it's for tough. story credit? <laughs> yes. If I, if I say it now, I'll just change it. It's, uh, instead of saying Bart's, we'll say it's Lisa's birthday and on that same day, <laughs> Maggie learns to walk. And so when Maggie finally learns to walk, it draws all the attention away from Lisa, and Lisa feels kind of betrayed by this, but kind of acts like, oh, it's okay. You know, she's just growing up. But then everyone starts going, yeah, she's growing up, and soon she'll be your age. And then Lisa has like a kind of a <laughs> freak out realize. Legally, I haven't been listening to any of this. <laughs> um, I, put it, I put my phone on mute. But um, yeah, I don't know. It could be... problem is, like, Bart and Lisa function sometimes as adults or teenagers on the show, mm-hmm. depending mm-hmm. on the episode. Like, if They've had an inordinate number of romances, and if it's a bigger satirical episode, they are capable of quite adult achievements. So if it's a smaller episode, we try to play it more realistic and kid-like. Sort of depends on the scope or tone of the episode we're doing. But it's not like even having them be older would seem different, you know? Yeah. It's weird. Mm-hmm. It's very, like, you know, Lisa, a lot of Lisa's stories would make sense if she was a 35-year-old graduate student. <laughs> <laughs> or lawyer, or, like, environmental lawyer. mm Sometimes it can't technically cannot last forever, but our ratings, thanks to our good friend football and a couple other things, have been you know really strong compared to the rest of television as it slowly drifts apart. So, mm. you know, people people always tend to romanticize the uh, the episodes of The Simpsons that they saw when when they were young. You know, it's it's still good though. I, I really always enjoy it, and it's always great to see when the the voice cast signs on for a few more years and a few more years. You know. Yeah. No. I mean, it's 
Yeah, it's pretty, it's quite a, it's like the brand that, the last great brand of the 90s persists, you know? Mm. Nothing else can last because the actors get old and you can't keep these shows going, but with animation, you can unnaturally extend the life of the show. <laughs> in, in like a gruesome torture experiment. <laughs> like what like what the ring did to Gollum. <laughs> he's, he's a little weird now. <laughs> but he's still alive. That's well, yeah, he look he looks pretty good, I gotta say. He lost a lot of weight. He is on that big, new big, diet, which big, is fish. Big big Simpsons eyes. Yes, yes. Yeah, big, big Simpsons eyes, new fish diet. You know, he barely sees the sun. He made some friends, and you know, along the way, he you know made another friend in himself. That's right. That's right. Now, do you have any uh, favorite episode personally, Matt? Oh golly, it's such a blur. You don't. Yeah. You don't know. My brain is like Simpsons <laughs> smoothie set on puree. You know. Yeah, yeah. Like that. Those those books of all the episodes to look in them. It just is such a feeling of, oh, my God, I, I can't believe how many of these we've done. It's just nuts. I'll never think of another idea. So I, I don't look back a lot. And, you know, I I guess I sort of, you know, I love all the shows that I've worked on. And the show has evolved in, in its own way over the years. And it's just, I don't know, I they're all, I can't believe they all exist. <laughs> that, that is not an answer. But you know, we were just talking about the Tontine Hellfish one today, and I was, thinking fondly about that oh yeah oh yeah that was a good one you know it kind of fluctuates which ones you like the most i don't know i'm, I'm working on a really bananas one right now that i hope i can pull off it's sort of a whole show done in the style of kind of a 70s mystery hmm. so like it would it's like, kind of like the whole show would seem like an episode of another show that you've never heard of <laughs> 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 haven't we earned it yeah, i think enough. so yeah yeah so when you have a concept like that how long does it actually take uh, to make it to air, like how how long in advance from uh, concept to actual script and and recording and animating and everything, how long does that process take usually? It takes a long time. Like like for this okay, for this crazy sort of seventy detective so episode, if it ever if it even ever comes to life, look, I'm just kind of breaking the story now in this roundabout way to see if I can make it make sense. Then I have to we have to write a script. Then we have to go to the table, have a table read, get feedback from Jim Brooks, see how it plays in front of an audience. Then nine months of production of you know, recording the actors, editing the audio, doing designs for the new designs in the show, rough animation, storyboards, screen that, do more rewrites. This all happens over a nine-month cycle. Then it goes. Then it goes to Korea, comes back in color. You look at that. There's more rewrites. Then then lots of you, know, you, you record the music. You do additional audio. You animation fixes. You put a polish every little last nugget of it that you can, and uh, then it's on TV. So this one, you know, it would be probably 2018 sometime. Oh well, well, I look sure. forward to it. Thanks for uh, thanks for the exclusive. Well, it might be an exclusive thing that I never make work or work <laughs> terrible. <laughs> always, and I've done a lot of shows that had clues and detective-y stuff in them. I always, I don't know why I go back to that because audiences, I don't think, love it particularly being asked to think about clues kind of like a burden on them and then you say see how we figured out and they're like yeah okay i'll take your word for it <laughs> well i love like the the da vinci code themed episode where they they had clues and riddles before they went into commercial right that one was great and actually this boston episode there was a crazier earlier version of this the town airing this sunday at seven thirty on fox that um <laughs> all of the all act three was different 
at the table read. It actually had a Da Vinci Code super conspiracy hmm. in which I, I'm, I'm gonna try, I'll try to find an earlier draft. Maybe we can put it online. And here was the deal. So the show was pretty similar up until the end of Act 2. But then as soon as the Simpsons were deciding to move to Boston and liking it there, they discovered that underneath the Bunker Hill Monument is an underground conspiracy chamber that reveals that British redcoats have actually secretly been running Boston as a mole city for ever since the Revolutionary War. <laughs> and, that, and that all of Boston, for all its self-declared independence and self-regard, was really, that was all just a ruse to throw people off the scent that this was going to be the hub, if you will, of uh, a British reinvasion to reinstitute taxation without representation. <laughs> Their beloved taxation without representation. And it had like a Robert Langdon Da Vinci Code guy who'd put all the pieces together. And there was an evil British kind of red coat leader who we wanted to get voiced by that guy, Jason Isaacs, who plays like uh, Malfoy's dad and Harry Potter and always plays smarmy, evil British guys with such flair. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, yeah, we read it at the table and people laughed at it, but Jim Brooks, beloved super writer said too crazy make it more about the characters like so we took a note we rewrote act three i think the show is much better for it that having it become about bart and lisa and and like that the two sides of the city if you will at odds with each other and have it be about the simpsons and the family and can you move to another place and that whole theme so yeah we did a giant rewrite pretty early in the process wow we're really almost an entirely new ending and I told Jim, like, Jim, thank you so much for that note. Like, the show is so much better now, and it's so much more emotional and about the characters and about the city and just a deeper show. And he was like, I have no memory of that. Um, <laughs> he's just too busy being brilliant. He can't remember all the things. Sure. But, uh, no, if he hadn't weighed in, it, I, it would have, still would have been fun, but I don't think it would have been quite the love letter that we were able to do. It would have been less of a love letter and more of like a wacky South Park super conspiracy, you know? Mm-hmm. Gotta find. I mean, I can find a draft of it. <laughs> yeah, that's interesting. Were they going to move to Boston in that episode as well, or did that kind of come about in the second draft? It was that Bart was really into Boston because of the independence. We had, we didn't have we didn't have yet have the stuff that Bart liked it because of like the towny town stuff from all the like Afflecky movies that mm-hmm. didn't come in yet. Bart just liked Boston because it was like kind of the bad boy of cities, the the Bart of cities, the ultimate rebel, the ultimate independent city, right? Mm-hmm. And so they were going to uncover the conspiracy, but instead of being murdered by the British, they were going to be bribed with a nice brownstone in Back Bay, or maybe it was a Victorian in Brookline. I don't know like, <laughs> that they would be bribed by living in this wonderful place. So it was sort of, the question is, even if you know Boston is secretly a traitor city bent on reinvading the United States and reconquering, it's such a good place to live and raise your kids. Is it worth it? So the, some of the stuff that you can see stayed is still in there, but it's pretty crazy in retrospect, now that I think back. <laughs> um, but we were able to take the good stuff of it, and we lost a lot of the crazy. So we had a lot of... It also was, we had some stuff that kind of indicated, you know, there were clues like Da Vinci Code symbology type clues that revealed how Boston was secretly British. That, what was it? Like, maybe like PBS, had, it had a subliminal pro-British messages in it although <laughs> even though pbs is out of new york we then also found but um <laughs> but also we were, we were trying to do a conceptual thing where it's like 
how can we do an episode that enrages everyone from Boston? You know what I mean? By saying <laughs> yeah. that, hey, guess what? You're really the opposite of what you are. Instead of being the birthplace of independence, you're now the secret, secret spies from the past. <laughs> so like, oh, let's make an episode that conceptually is a kind of F you to everyone in Boston, which is a weird instinct, I admit, in retrospect. <laughs> sure. So fortunate it worked out the way it did. Oh, definitely. I mean, you still called everybody rule-breaking cranberry squeezers, you know, so there, there's some great <laughs> lines in there still. Listen up, you clam-gargling tea-tossers! Fenway is a terrible ballpark! Dad, don't! I mean, I really felt during this last Super Bowl, too, the hatred a lot more towards the Patriots and New England sports than the last Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. You guys are, you live there, so you wouldn't experience it as much, but... Like wearing my hat, my Patriots hat Monday morning after the win, I was like getting some looks and like, <laughs> you know, it, it wasn't the same. It wasn't the same as Seahawks win for some reason. And like at the Super Bowl, people who I assumed would be pro Patriots were like, no, just anyone but the Patriots was sort of the attitude. But generally here, I, I think everyone kind of gets the idea that it's like, all right, well, we all hate the Yankees. We hate the Yankees because of just their era of dominance, you know, especially over, you know, the Red Sox and everything, but they've always won. So we kind of understand why people hate the Patriots. I mean, this was even before the whole Spygate stuff and Deflategate stuff happened, but that on top of it, you know, I, I, I understand why people hate the Patriots as much as they do. Of course, maybe we're a little too inside, but I mean, we, you know, learn about the ideal gas law every morning listening to sports radio. So, you know, maybe we kind of have a leg up on the science and, and understand it better. And understand why Brady is innocent, but uh, you know, again, maybe we're biased. Yeah, it's interesting. For some reason, Patriots dominance does not feel analogous to Yankees dominance. It feels like one thing. The remember again, I'm no sports info guy, but you know, the Yankees had the, just the giant bankroll to buy the top players and win a lot of championships that way. Where you know, the Patriots actually have a more productive salary system where they have employ more of a middle class rather than a one percent and a ninety nine percent of having like five superstars and everyone else gets, you know, the minimum, like yeah. a lot of NFL teams, you know, they have like, you no, know, they play their, they have a middle class of player that earn, you know, five or $6 million a year. And that is a more well-rounded, you know, team. Mm-hmm. So it's more smart spending, spreading the wealth rather than kind of giving Joe Flacco $25 million a year after <laughs> the Ravens win. And then they're terrible yeah, exactly. for the next 10 years because doofus Joe Flacco gets all the money. And again, I'm sorry, everyone, I don't know anything about sports, really. So I, I'm wrong. I apologize. Well, he called himself elite. He said, I'm, you know, he said, pretty much said he's up there with Brady. He's an elite quarterback. So he, he can take a couple of hits. He seems to be good. He has a great gift of not being burdened with so much thought as to get in the way of him playing. Like, he just never seems to know what time it is. So he doesn't know <laughs> if he's winning or losing. And so it doesn't get in his head where, like, arguably people that think a lot are, would not be a great quarterback because they would think about the situation too much. Oh my God, I'm down. I'm, I'm up. You know, there, it's a head, there's no head game. There's no head game with Joe Flacco. Yeah. yeah. Every, every play is like, duh, here we are. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. What do I know guys? <laughs> so what are your thoughts on uh, Neko wafers? <laughs> <laughs> the hot hitting questions. They're not great. No, I wish not. the ones in our show had been a little paler and dustier. They were a little too bright in the animation. Yeah. Mm. Whatever. You can't, you can't win them all. Um, <laughs> I like sh- Dunkin' Donuts, but now that there's a Dunkin' Donuts in L.A., it's not as exciting anymore. Dunkin' Donuts is more exciting to eat at Logan Airport, but not <laughs> like in Santa Monica. It's like, I'm home. There's a Dunks. I, I'm good. 
Right. I love friendlies too. Oh yeah. You didn't get friendlies there, did we? No, we got the fribble was in there. Our fake version of the fribble. Yep. Yeah, the yeah. Show. There we go. Friendlies used to be really great in the old days. Now we're like before, back when it didn't have like the big menu. You know, just the kind of simple menu. Right. Right. Oh man, I, I remember it. I remember it so clearly. We still got one in Hyannis. Yep. Oh yeah. But now they have like a big weird menu. With, you know, they had to keep up with the chilies of the world back in the eighties. Yeah. It used to just be like hamburgers, hot dogs, French fries, and Sundays. I think their ice cream is really still good though, and their their hot fudge is fantastic. Yeah. And they still have the cone head, I believe. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they still have the Reese's Pieces Sunday, which is also phenomenal. Oh yeah. Phenomenal. Yep. And they were they were kind of trendsetters in branded Sundays, right? I mean, no mm-hmm. one else. Now everything is a Twix ice cream bar or like a you know Tabasco potato chip, but <laughs> to have a branded Sunday back in like 1980 whatever, 1982 whenever that happened, that was really forward thinking for friendlies. I have to say, we've really gotten off topic. Haven't we? <laughs> <laughs> <No>. <laughs> That's still local stuff. That's on topic. <laughs> we got the town is on again. I, I hope people watch it. You think it'll get a good rating? Probably not. I mean, probably we'll just see a regular old rerun rating. Well, I mean, locally, I, I think, um, well, I, you tweeted it out, right? I, I think uh, Boston.com, the Boston Globe's website, had, yeah. had already I, had a piece on I, it. I gave, an ex- I gave an exclusive to our little Easter egg, mm-hmm. so people might tune in. Yeah, I mean, locally, like even when the town aired originally, it was October 9th. Um, yeah, a lot of local media outlets had uh, little articles about it on, on uh, websites and stuff. It was in newspapers and things, so it definitely had a positive response, so... Uh, yeah, I mean, this is this is gonna be the first time uh, an Easter egg had a press tour, I think. Oh my goodness, <laughs> not that big an egg, I, guys. I'm serious. <laughs> I, I I pimped the show out pretty hard to the Boston media. Like I went to everyone I could find. Me, you guys, you guys certainly responded with with full vigor. Oh yes. How often does that happen where things uh, get changed? I I know. Um, what was it the Super Bowl episode where Mo held the uh, the mug in front of his mouth? You know, the Atlanta Falcons. Right. Yeah, well, this isn't, this isn't all that different than that. But uh, <laughs> we have done it in the past. Al Jean, our beloved showrunner, like is always thinking of creative ways to do it. It's just all how much energy you have to and money you want to spend to go back into a show that you've already spent way, way, way too much money on. <laughs> <laughs> like, it, did this take? Uh, did the town episode take more effort because of all the backgrounds and the character designs? Yeah. Was that more intense of a process? Yes, because whenever they go someplace new, all that has to be built in a way. Like animation, it's still just drawing, so they can go to Mars, they can go to Atlantis, right? But mm-hmm. it's still, if it's not in a in Springfield and not using Springfielders, and people are wearing different clothing, and there's new objects and backgrounds, there is a cost to that of work and money. You know, to have to like design every all this new stuff that and get all approved, and so yeah, this show was significantly expensive. That episode. So how and much were uh, Bart's Oliver. pants then? <laughs> Bart's long pants. The long pants were not cheap. <laughs> you know, his pants, this was not intentional, but like, okay, remember like new kids on the block in the eighties guys, yep. right? And they were kind of a, a style of pants of wearing your pants back then called tight rolling. Okay. Yeah. Do you know what that was? Yeah. Where you would kind of like, kind of tighten the bottom of your pants and then roll it up so it really like kind of hugs the bottom of your sock, top of your sock, and like tapered down to your ankle. Yep. It was kind of a New Kids on the Block style of pants, like tight rolling, which wasn't intentional, but does kind of appear like Bart is tight roll his 
his long blue pants in classic <laughs> New Kids on the Block style. You docs are just jealous of all our championship rings. You're the one who's jealous. I only wish I could be as jealous as you. Jeez, Jay, this place has got more knobs than a hardware store. I hate this town. So don't I. So don't I, right? That was pretty good. Did that rate that resonate with you guys? Oh, so don't I. Yeah, so don't I. I I don't I don't hear that too much, but uh, maybe maybe uh, maybe I just don't notice it because everyone's saying it around me. Well, I, I again, it's from it's from my childhood, you know. So I don't know who says what anymore for sure. <laughs> but like I know, like kind of like Irishy, locally towny type dads and stuff and kids would say, "So don't I." Mm-hmm. You know, Quinton, the Quincy crowd, the beloved Quincy crowd. You know, the kind of Irish kids. Yeah, it was like this crazy Bostonism that never made sense to me. <laughs> and I would be like this little nerd being like, oh, don't you mean so do I? And they'd be like, get out of Cub Scouts, you little loser. <laughs> Attitude. Although they wouldn't say loser. They would use another word that we don't say anymore. Right, right. Um, yep. <laughs> it, was hard, it was actually hard to write the townies, the townie characters in the bar, their insults, because all the real insults were not like Simpsons-friendly words. Mm. So we had to kind of say like doorknob, which is we just sort of was, it was a kind of a stand-in yep. for other stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, great job by Quincy native uh, Mike Mitchell. Mike Mitchell, host of Doughboys podcast. Yes. That I listen to every episode of. Yeah, you, and you yeah, were great on. Have you ever been to Wahlburgers? Uh, yeah. Is it good? It's all right. I've never been there. I wanted. I keep wanting to go every time I go to Cape Cod, but we're always like rushing back to the airport. I wanted Hingham, so you could go on the way back to Logan. But my wife is always like, no. Check <laughs> the plane. And I'm like, we always argue about whether to get the gas refill option on the rent-a-car. Mm-hmm. She always says, don't prepay the gas. We'll just go to a gas station before we turn it in. Yep. Then, then you're always running late. And you can't find a gas station, and it's a disaster. <laughs> <laughs> Great lady. Otherwise, perfect lady, other than her insistence on not using the gas refill option. <laughs> <laughs> hey, speaking about food, too, I, I think we had uh, mentioned this to each other on Twitter, is... Um, mm-hmm. Grinders? Oh, right. Is that a Watertown yeah. thing? It was just, I mean, again, I can only speak from my own pinhole experience growing up, but like every pizza shop that I remember, the grinders meant sub. Or sometimes mm. it would say subs and grinders, but it meant like hot sandwich, you know? Maybe a sub was like the cold version, and they had a, like a weird, you know, like a pepper grind, steak and pepper steak grinder, which was kind of a weird steak and pepper, not like a cheese steak. It was kind of like the weird, gristly chunks of steak and peppers and onions <laughs> in like a hot bread. Yeah, yeah. Was that yeah. new to you, Grinder? I, yeah, I, I mean, I've heard Grinders, but I mean, I just never heard it locally. We always say subs. I mean, I grew up on the Cape. Right. My my mother uh, grew up in Southie, and she always said Spuckies. Spuckies. I've heard of Spuckies. You know what's another super Boston thing for like a flatbread sandwich from the 70s? Could be, or like a wrap would be a, call it a Syrian Oh, huh. see, I never heard that. Yeah, either. I haven't heard that one either. That's, no, that's like I found it in a in a house we were renting in the Cape. I found that an old menu with like Syrians, and I was like, oh, which is like what they used to call kind of anything vaguely Middle Eastern sandwiches, like a hero or anything like that. Huh. huh. And I was like, oh yeah, I remember Syrians. Like Watertown, where I grew up, big Armenian population too, huge Armenian population. Like that's where all the Armenians came after like the first genocide over there, and now. Watertown's full of Armenian funeral homes and Armenian delis and bakeries with delicious Armenian food treats. And my dad, who is Jewish, 
but now he's like an old shriveled man and looks Armenian. We'll like walk down the street and Armenian people will start talking to him in Armenian. They assume <laughs> being a swarthy Eastern European type that he's one of them. He's just, he has plute. <laughs> so do you, well, there's a huge Armenian population in LA as well, right? Do you get to have some of the yep. stuff you grew up on out there? Yeah. Glendale. That's like Glendale. I call Glendale the water town of the West. <laughs> <laughs> No, they have fantastic Middle Eastern restaurants out here where you get the kind of the, all the mezzies and like the 10 courses and the lamb and the burning cheese and everything and the pumices and oh, fantastic. I like all the cuisines where you have like 10 kinds of foods in front of you and you can kind of get a, a rhythm going, you know, <laughs> yeah, a, yeah. kind of a rotation instead of traditional eating where you just have like a course, a course, a dessert, the end. I like to have like five foods in front of me to build up like a mouth rotation. Korean food <laughs> is great for that too. I mean, the Boston food scene has completely become reinvented since I left, and whenever I go home, I never have time to check out all the new amazing places. Well, you know, Ke- you know Kelly's Roast Beef is a famous Boston, like, mini chain, local chain, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And we were trying to think of a way to put that in the show. And for a time, while writing it, one of the Kelly's uh, franchises has, like, a, a webcam of just the kind of the gross street near the ocean outside <laughs> that particular Kelly's like the middle of winter, and I just was watching that webcam while we were writing it, just like cars driving by, <laughs> kind of see water in the background, but it's basically just a freezing cold parking lot. That was our, that was our inspiration, the Kelly's parking lot cam. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, the Jordan's Furniture, I, I think it's the one in Natick Framingham. I think they had a Kelly's roast beef inside. I think they did, yeah. yeah. Jordan's really, they, they always delivered, you know, they would have Jordan's, they had food, they had fun, they, they got you in there. Yeah, it was kind of hard for us to explain to Hamish exactly like the Jordan's furniture experience <laughs> uh, for a furniture store to, to for kids. You know, I mean, as a little kid, I was excited to go to the furniture store. It just uh, yeah, it's just so unique. Just a weird thing to say. <laughs> oh, my God, let's go to the furniture store. Tell you, it was still great. Talk about how it snows inside the one in uh, Avon. That's pretty what cool. Madness is this. And then Jordan Marsh. Oh, yeah. We had two big institutions with the word Jordan in it. <laughs> That's true. And Jordan Knight, of course, some new kids on the block. <laughs> yes. That's there's your there's your symbology conspiracy right there. Should we wrap up on that? Our <laughs> 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 takeaway. So this yeah this will be a great point. We'll we'll let you go, Matt. Thank you so much for for taking all this time. I, I guess what we've learned is that Brady is the best quarterback of all time. He's the worst commercial actor of all time. True. <laughs> the Simpsons is the best show of all time. We've established I hope that. so. It certainly changed the way people look at television in a lot of ways, and, and it was very, it's very influential, I believe. And now we're, just, we're, just, we're hanging in there. Yeah, Definitely. and, and still doing it. thank you so much for putting out the town. That episode was just so much fun to watch. You know, especially for us locally around here. Yeah. Again, but well, you're the only people that matter, in my opinion. <laughs> it's, very, it's very gratifying to hear. Hey, Mish, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just sit out here and just listen to this, you know, this back and forth and be like, oh, okay, cool. I'll just, I'll just be over here in my. Sorry for the island. Australia episode. You know, I, I wish the Australia <laughs> episode was less cliched and reflected more the reality of uh, whatever mid '90s Australia. Actually, well, I'll tell you what, we, we'll treat an episode as much as we treat Outback Steakhouse as an official Australian restaurant. How about that? Right. Well, that's, that's fair. It's completely fair. Yeah. It's, it's, it's the Outback Steakhouse of Simpsons episodes. It's a big, it's sort of fake and doesn't feel <laughs> Australian. 
if you're from Australia. It, 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 it is rather broad. I mean, like, I, yeah, it, it, the thing is, you know, we're fine with it now. It's, 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 it, it took us a while to get over it. But, uh, yeah, we're, we're pretty cool with it now. I mean, you know, it's only a small joke back and forth. But if you, you know, try and connect it up with the rest of Simpsons continuity, it just seems like Australia is still this kind of backwards dirt hole, which has no idea about any technology at all. <laughs> right. Well, I've heard you have your, your Wi-Fi is spotty. That other than that, everything's <laughs> we invented everything's Wi-Fi. Strong. It's good. It's good. That's an issue. But in fairness to Matt, I mean that that Australia episode was what two seasons before you joined? Yeah, so I was had nothing to do back, with that. Laughing at Australia like everyone else. Look at those goofballs! <laughs> I said they don't know anything. <laughs> there was so- goons out in the desert. Their stupid hats. <laughs> but now I know better. So now with Matt at the helm, maybe they could revisit, right? There could always yeah. be a sequel. We'll do a New Zealand episode, a really, really well-observed New Zealand episode. <laughs> <laughs> oh we, move, we move there for like three months and really become, get into it and hire a New Zealand writer and get Peter, yeah, Jackson, Peter Jackson in it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're like, they infuriate you more. And then they... They quickly stop off at Australia on the way back, and it's exactly the same as in the first episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All, right. All right. Thanks, guys. You're the best. You're my, I honor you for indulging me. Oh, you're the best, Matt. Thank you so much for, for doing this, really. Okay. All right. I'll talk to you later. All right. Take care. Thank you so much. Bye. All right, and there you have it. So make sure to tune in to Fox 7.30 p.m. on Sunday for the episode entitled The Town. Uh, If you haven't seen it already, definitely check it out. And even if you have, check it out for that Easter egg, that Super Bowl reference. So that's going to be awesome to look forward to. So that that was great. What a great guy. Yeah, that that was fun. And that'll pretty much do it for this episode of Hitting Play. As always, you can email us with your comments, suggestions, your favorite Super Bowl or Simpsons moments, whatever you get for us at hittingplayshow at gmail.com. Or you can talk to us on Twitter at Hitting Play. Uh, now, uh, you guys have any plugs? Uh, sure. You can find me on Twitter and uh, on Facebook as One Wall Cinema. And I can also be found on gumroad.com slash One Wall Cinema, where we have a bunch of uh, mystery science theater type uh, comedy videos on there. And you can use the coupon code Hitting Play, and uh, that'll save you a little bit of change there. Yeah, and you can find me on Twitter at, at Silent Hamish, or Instagram at Silent Hamish, or uh, I have a Facebook page called Silent Hamish Art, which I really need to update, and I should. Uh, I am on Twitter as well. My name there is at MC and Friends. You can follow me there. I am also on Instagram. There I post a lot of my uh, flip page animation and drawings and things like that, so you can uh, check me out at MC underscore and underscore Friends on Instagram. And you can also follow Matt Selman on Twitter at Matt Selman, M-A-T-T-S-E-L-M-A-N. If you listen to us on iTunes, please subscribe and leave us a five-star review. It helps us out, and if you do, you will get a shout-out on the show. For Android users, we are also available to stream in or download on Stitcher. We can be found on TuneIn Radio and the Google Play Music app, so check us out there. And also, if you have a Roku device, you can download the TuneIn Radio channel, you can set Hitting Play as a favorite, and you can listen to these episodes right as they're posted. Well, we have been Matt Selman, Hamish, Kevin, and Scott, and this has been Hitting Play. Thank you so much for listening. I still have no idea how he caught that ball. Roger that. <laughs>